Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen. Let's, let's give the worship team another just hand this morning. What a... Continue to be amazed and, and grateful uh, for the gifts that God has given them and the way that they use those for His glory that we might come and sing and that our hearts might be uh, tuned to sing His praise this morning. And uh, I, I pray that um, as we dig into God's Word today that uh, we would experience uh, just that, that we would be in awe of His glory and of His greatness and uh, that we might leave uh, on mission for the glory of His name. Uh, you know, this morning we're going to be in a passage that uh, is referred to as the high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. If you want to take your copy of God's Word and turn there, we're going to shift our hearts a bit toward uh, the cross, a bit toward uh, this time of year as we celebrate uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I am so grateful that our debt has been paid in full and that, that the work of the cross, that, that he who knew no sin that he became sin, that he took on all of our sin and all of our shame so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. No merit of our own, but all because of his grace. And we come this morning uh, as people who have uh, experienced his grace. And it's my hope and prayer this morning that if you have never experienced the grace of God, that uh, this morning uh, that you would know his love for you and that you might respond in surrender to him. Uh, you know, I, I had the privilege of being part of my uncle's uh, funeral service on Friday, and he was a, a pastor that had pastored for several years in cashiers, and one of the things that I was able to see pretty quickly there were there were all these pastors that had come to uh, pay their respects and to love and comfort on the family, and, and he would say things uh, pretty often. Uh, to them, and, and he said this to me just a couple of months ago. He said, you know, I can't do much. He had gotten to a place in his life that uh, he had an oxygen tank that he would have to take with him and couldn't breathe very well, and uh, he would, would struggle with some of those things. But he said, I can't do much, but I can pray. And I'm reminded that when we can pray, that we've done the most wonderful thing that we could do for for someone, And I, I'm reminded this morning that we're going to look into the prayer that Christ prayed. Uh, I, I think about uh, just His grace and His mercy. You know, it, it, it matters not only that we pray, but it matters what we pray. Uh, I heard a story of a little boy who uh, was in Sunday school class, and his Sunday school teacher was talking to him, and the little boy was really proud, and he said, you know, my mama prays for me uh, every night, and the Sunday school teacher leaned in just a little bit and said, oh, that's awesome. She said, what does your mama pray? And the little boy just quickly said, thank God he's asleep. <laughs> you know, not only that we pray, but what we pray is important. And we hear so much about uh, the heart when we hear someone pray. And as we open up God's word, we're going we're gonna to really encounter a a holy moment where Jesus prays to his Father. And, and I want to just set the stage a bit before we open and, and read God's Word. But, but this is a time, this is on the eve of his death. And, and Jesus 
in his final evening, he is preparing his disciples for what is to come. And uh, like uh, many that we uh, could imagine, right, he knew that they were not prepared, that their hopes of, uh, of this, uh, this Messiah that would come and claim the throne would be uh, shifted in these moments, right, and that Jesus would uh, die in our place on a uh, rugged cross that next day. And, he, uh, and John gives us some really incredible scriptures, and he really takes uh, five of, uh, of 21 chapters in the book of John, and they're all focused on the eve of his death. They're focused on the words of Christ and this prayer that he would pray, the example that he would give. And we would see him demonstrate this, uh, this uh, servant love that, that he has so expressed to them as he would wash uh, their feet, as he would even wash the feet of the one who would betray him. We would see Jesus in, uh, in that environment and we would see uh, his great love demonstrated in this, uh, this call that we would uh, live these lives of servant, uh, just lives of sacrifice and service. We would uh, see Jesus begin to teach them and he would uh, say things like, don't let your heart be troubled as they would wrestle with the thoughts of Jesus not being physically present with them. And he would say, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And then he would give them these incredibly comforting words. And he would say, in my father's house are many mansions, are many dwelling places. And he would tell them, if it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. And Jesus went to the cross of Calvary. And there he made a place for uh, and Jesus died uh, in our place. And he said, if I go, he said, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, you may be also. And then Jesus would say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, Jesus then would, would, would teach them in John 15. And we studied in this earlier in the year. And Jesus would teach them this incredibly important truth that apart from him, they could do Nothing. Now, can you imagine these moments as they're preparing their minds for the time that Jesus would no longer physically be present with them? And then they would hear these words, apart from me, you can do nothing. And Jesus would say, abide in me and I in you. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. We would see this call for them to abide in him. And then Jesus would say something that would have been hard for their minds to process. As he would look at them and say, it is expedient, it is better for you that I go away because if I go away, I will send the comforter, I will send the paraclete, the helper that, that will guide you in all truth. And then Jesus gets to the end of John chapter 16 and he says, in this world, and, and I want to remind you that we live in the midst of a broken world that he said in this world and we we know that we live in a world that has been marred by sin we read in the in the beginning that God created the heavens and the earth that God created all these things and that, that in his creation that it was good and we know the story right by Genesis chapter 3 man has sinned and disobeyed God and in the midst of that this world that was beautiful and this world that was so perfect had been marred by sin and not only was the world broken 
But we would realize that we come into this world with this sin nature. The scripture would tell us that as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men because all have sinned. And so in the midst of this broken world that we live in, Jesus would remind them that in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have tribulation. But he said, be of good cheer. He said, be of good courage because I have overcome the world. And then Jesus begins in the longest prayer that we have recorded in the scriptures in John chapter 17. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus in on verses 13 through 21 this morning. And I want to invite you uh, to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word this morning if you are able And we'll read verse 13 through 21 and then uh, jump in this morning. Uh, Read along with me. But now I come to you and these things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Even as I am not of the world, I do not ask you to take them out of the world but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes, I sanctify myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may all be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, we, we're so grateful for your word, God. We're so grateful to, to have these words recorded that we might could lean in to this sacred moment. We've got a moment where there's a prayer for unity and preservation. God, I'm so thankful that you are keeping us. God, that you would set us apart and use us in service to bring you glory. And God, I pray that that's exactly what you would do today, Lord. I pray that you would, God, as we we sung this morning, God, how prone we are to wonder. God, how prone I am to wonder. But Lord, we pray, God, that you would uh, unify us around mission this morning, God, that you would draw us in the power of your spirit uh, together in one accord, God, that we might... Glorify your name to our neighbors and God to nations, Lord, and that we might be used to fulfill your purposes in our lives. God, we love you. We pray, God, if there's someone here that has never experienced your grace, God, that this morning, God, that you would, in the power of your spirit, God, speak to their heart, God, that they might see your great love for them and that they might surrender their lives and live in obedience to you. God, we love you and we thank you for your love for us. And we ask all this in the strong and the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. I want to give you a, a target statement going into today that uh, really is going to be the sum of, uh, of what I believe the Lord is teaching us in uh, these short verses and uh, the way my heart has stirred over these this week. And I want to put that on the screen and we'll, we'll read that uh, this morning. And in this prayer, we see Jesus prayed not that we would isolate or even simply insulate, but empowered for God's glory that in unity we would infiltrate. 
Jesus prayed not that we would isolate or even simply insulate, but empowered for God's glory in unity we would infiltrate. And we read the words of Jesus in John chapter 17. And I want to point out just a couple of things in verse 3 and 4 before we jump back into these verses. But Jesus said this, this is eternal life. Now, a lot of times we think about eternal life and when we think about that, we think about a certain distance, right? That it's something that goes on uh, forever, right? We read in John three sixteen, right, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And we think about that as a length, but Jesus is going to define that in an incredible way. And by the way, uh, no matter uh, who you are and where you are, we are all going to live forever. We're all going to live eternally. And if we know Jesus... We will experience life abundant and eternal. And Jesus said, this is eternal life, chapter 17, verse 3, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That that we would know him. The scriptures would tell us that God has given us everything that we need, everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and power. Jesus said this is eternal life, that we would know God, that, that we would experience him. And, and, and for eternity, our God is so majestic and so magnificent and so great, we will continue to learn more of who he is and his nature and his greatness and his majesty. And he said this is eternal life, that you may know Him, the one and only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And then Jesus says, I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Jesus said, this is eternal life. And what we see in this passage, Jesus brought glory to his father by accomplishing the work that God had sent him to do. And we likewise, as we experience eternal life and as we live in this abundant life that God has for us in Christ, as we fulfill the purposes that God has for us, we bring glory to God, as we accomplish, and, and, and by the way, this morning, our primary purpose, the reason for our existence and the reason for our salvation is that we might glorify God, that we might make his name famous among all the nations, that we might proclaim his great love and his majesty. We, we've been reading on, on Wednesday nights in 1 Corinthians, and at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the apostle Paul would remind them that whatever you do, whatever you eat, and whatever you drink, whatever you do, that you would do it all for the glory glory of God. And as we think about the decisions that we make on a daily basis, the very first thing that should be the priority of every part of our life is, is this going to bring glory to God? And if it is not bringing glory to God, then we understand that it is not the way that we should be going. When we think about in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul would say, all things are permissible. It was a common saying of the church at Corinth. It was a common saying of the people there, not necessarily the church, but of the people and the culture there. But Paul would say, not all things are beneficial. And as we think about the way that we live our lives, the decisions that we make every day as we are being conformed and transformed uh, into the image of God are the things that we're doing. Should I do this or should I not? Is it beneficial? Uh, And then Paul would go on in the first part of chapter 10 in, in 1 Corinthians 10 and he would say, does it edify? He said, all things are permissible but not all things edify or not all things build up. Is this something that's going to strengthen and build up? And then finally he says, does it bring glory to God? Because whatever we do, it should bring glory to God. That is our purpose. And in the midst of this world, right, we are are, are, are on mission for the glory 
of his name. Verse 13, he says, Now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, so that they may have my joy made full in themselves. In the, in the love and in the fellowship of the saints, in the oneness that we experience as followers of Jesus Christ, that we might experience his joy. I want to remind you that it's not a joy that this world promises. It's not a, the enemy says that you can find joy in all kinds of things, that you can find joy in the midst of this world, that you can find joy in the midst of seeking the pleasures of our own flesh and our own desires. But, but we would be reminded that this is not that type of joy, that this is a joy that's not from the world, a joy that is from heaven. Uh, C.S. Lewis said that joy is the serious business of heaven. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm glad to get to a place one day where joy is the serious business of, of the place that we will reside eternally in the presence of our Lord. We recognize, right, that we live in a battle. We live in a world where an enemy is raging. And the enemy promises joy, but what we experience is this temporary pleasure that leads to pain and leads to death, but that we can experience life, eternal life, abundant life in accomplishing the work that God has for you and I to do. Verse 14, he says, I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. The more that you look like Jesus, the more this world will hate you. We need to, under we need to understand that. That's we need to understand that, that, that all those who live godly lives in Jesus Christ will face persecution. We will experience those things. In this world, we will have trouble. In this world, we will experience difficulties. The more that we look like Jesus, the more this world will hate us. And we live in this world, this, this world system that is being uh, headed by Satan and working to, ex to do all that he can to keep us from experience life. Uh, in the fullness of life, he is working to kill and to destroy. And I'll remind you this morning that you are in a hostile environment. You are citizens of the kingdom of heaven and you are in the midst of a broken world that is hostile towards you. You are in a place that is not friendly to your faith. Young people, you need to understand that, that the enemy is out to steal kill and to destroy and the thing that sometimes we can do is we can say I'm going to isolate I'm going to somehow do everything that I can do to be apart from the world I'm going to do everything that I can do to be out of the midst of this world when we think about isolating it's easy to do right we just bunker up and hunker down right you read about people that have somehow found themselves a cave somewhere and they just don't go out right but here's what we see in this passage Jesus did not pray that we would isolate he did not pray uh, that we would somehow find a, a hole somewhere uh, he did not uh, have that type uh, of prayer for us that was not his prayer look at verse 15 and 16 he said I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Now, the other thought, we can, we can say, well, we're in the midst of the world, and, and we try to isolate, but we see that's not it, so we're sent into the midst of the world. So here we are, uh, have been saved by the grace of God, and we are in the midst of this broken world. Uh, Vance Havner said that, hey, we're not to isolate, that we're to insulate. But as I began uh, to stir and think about this, that this, there's a, there's a sense uh, that we are uh, to uh, put on the full armor of God, that we're to be protected in the midst of this world. And I'm so thankful that Jesus uh, prayed uh, that God the Father,
Father would keep us from the evil one, that we would walk in that. So there's this thought that we live in the midst of this broken world and we're not to conform to the pattern of this world and to the culture and to allow ourselves to be pressed into the mold of this culture, but to be transformed by the renewing of our mind as the Word of God uh, transforms us. So Jesus prayed, hey, keep them from the evil one. Look at verse 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Now, yesterday, my wife was walking our little dog, and he's, he's about this big, a uh, little dash, and, and I always ask her if, when, when I want to tell on her for something and make sure I can, and so I got permission. She's uh, in the, uh, the kid's side of things this morning, but she was walking uh, our little dog dash, and it was dark outside, and uh, in the midst of that, she's walking, and all of a sudden, I can hear her hollering like, like coming up the the road just a little bit, and I'm telling you, she's coming in hot. Now, she's, she is moving as she's coming in, and, and she comes through the door. The door flies open. She closes it. She's breathing hard. She says there was something big. Uh, I couldn't see exactly what it was. She didn't have a flashlight. She was just kind of in uh, the dark out there, and, and she's uh, back in the house, and she says it was something big, and it was coming after us. Now, there was one time, uh, I remember this little raccoon uh, actually chased her in the house. My, my, my little boy, uh, he would tell the story at his daycare. He'd say, he'd say all of a sudden, that raccoon come up on the porch ah, it was coming out and he would and they would ask him like Horace Hurst was was was, was so Denny Hurst would, would keep uh, my, my little boy and her husband Horace would pay him five dollars a day just to tell him stories he would tell him all about uh, these kind of funny things so we came out good there but but he would tell that story how that so maybe it was another raccoon coming after I don't know but it was very interesting she was getting back in the house and it would be easy for her uh, to say and by the way she said you can walk dash uh, tonight and so you get that temptation, right? We're in the midst of, of, of darkness. We're in the midst of evil. It's very easy to say, I'm going to isolate. I'm going to pull back. Uh, so I go out, right? I, I go back out, and I went out armed, right? Because that's what we're going to do. I mean, I'm not sure there's anything out there, and I'm not sure how big it is, but if there's a bear out there, I mean, I, I want to be ready for that, right? So I go out. I'm, I'm like, I'll, I'll take Dash out and see because he, he's certainly not going to be. I might be faster than him, but that's the only hope I would have in him defending me, right? And so, and I would never leave him. My wife asked, or my kids, I would never leave Dash to the bear. But if a bear comes after you, if a bear comes after you, like I've heard things like, just lay down and play dead. No, you run. I mean, that's what you're going to do. You're not, no, you're not, you're not going to lay down and play dead and just kind of hope for the best, right? Especially not if your house is right there. You're going to get out of town, right? That's just what you're going to do. That's what we learned last week when we talked to one. Like he said, there are certain times when we flee immorality, we flee idolatry, right? There's those things. And when we read in this passage, right, Jesus is talking about sanctifying us in the truth. And so there's this picture when we think about being sanctified, being holy. And there's a part of that where we think about getting rid of some stuff. We think about turning from sin. We think about uh, being uh, made holy. We think about being uh, being in, in that kind of mindset. But I want to Remind you also that when we think about that word sanctified, it is this picture of being set apart for the purposes of God. It is this picture of being sanctified. And the scripture says that we're sanctified. He says, sanctify them, verse 7, in the truth. Your word is truth. So just like I went out armed after I thought somebody was outside. Now, I went out with two things. I went out with, with my pistol and I went out 
uh, with a flashlight, right, so I could see. And as we go into the midst of this world, we understand that we are sanctified in the truth, right? And we have a sword, right, that we carry. We have God's word that he has given to us in our spiritual condition and the effectiveness that we will have in our schools, the effectiveness that we will have in our workplaces, the effectiveness that we will have in the midst of this world will be directly related not so much to how isolated we are from the lies of this world. Now, we have responsibility as parents uh, to protect our kids from evil. We have a responsibility of all those things, but we cannot uh, protect them from everything. But the success that they will have in the midst of this world and the success that we will have will be not how much we are isolated from the lies, but how much we know the truth and how much the Word of God is in us, how much the Word of God is dear to us and a treasure to us. And it's it's the way... Uh, that God works, right? He sanctifies us to be set apart for his purposes. And it's a process as the Spirit of God. And, and daily, we, we speak of abiding in Christ and being in the Word of God. Daily, the Spirit of God takes the Word of God and he transforms the people of God to look more like God. And day by day, week by week, as we gather together and as we open up God's Word, listen, we're not there yet, right? I, I love uh, what one of uh, our, our friends here says it's not about perfection, but it's about direction. And we are moving uh, in, in toward uh, this direction, right? We're moving to look more and more like Jesus. And as we open his word every day and as we engage in prayer and as we seek his face, we should look more like him today than we did yesterday. And we should look more like him next Sunday than we do this Sunday. You want to know your homework? Look more like Jesus next week when you come in here than you did today. And the way God does that, he takes these ordinary means of grace, right? The word of God that he has given us, this is treasure that we have. And he uses it to conform us to the image of God. And we take his word and we listen to his word. We hear his word. We read his word. And we obey his word, right? This is what we do. Psalm 119 verse 9 would say, how can a young man uh, keep his way pure, right? How can a young man do that? By taking heed according to your word. Verse 11 of that same chapter would say, your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Young men, old men, young women, old women, this is how we walk in the midst of this broken world. We abide in him. The spirit of God takes the word of God, shapes us into the image of God, and sends us out into the world. Now, Jesus' prayer, he didn't pray that we would isolate or even simply insulate. Look at verse 18. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. I like what David Platt uh, said one time when he said, Our mission is not to disinfect Christians and put them on a shelf. But our mission as the church is to disciple believers and put them into service. Right, that we might go into all the world and make known the greatness of our God. Verse 19, he said, For their sakes I sanctify them myself, that they themselves also might be sanctified in truth. Now, Jesus had no sin that he needed to be. There was no sanctification that needed to take place in that. But when we read this, Jesus set himself apart for the Father's will, right? He set himself apart to obey the Father's will. For holy service, that we, right, the scripture says that they themselves also might be sanctified in truth. There is no way apart from Christ, apart from the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives, apart from his grace, 
that we might fulfill God's purposes in our lives, but with his grace. The Bible would tell us that if you are in Christ, the Bible would tell us that whoever is in Christ, in Ephesians 2.10, that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he has laid since the foundation of time that he is ordained and that, that we might just walk in them. God has a plan and a purpose for our lives and we glorify him individually as we seek and, and, and surrender to his will and his plan in the midst of our life as we use the gifts. See, he does it all, right? He, he, he saves us and, and allows us then to be transformed by the renewing of our minds as the word of God uh, changes us and conforms us to his image. Then he equips us with gifts that can be used to further his kingdom that we might use the gifts that he's individually given us so that we might make his name great, that we might be sanctified in truth. And he says, I don't ask on behalf of these alone. I love this part. This is my favorite part of the whole thing. Verse 20. He says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word. You're in the Bible, right? If you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and surrendered to, to the Lord Jesus and he is, he is Lord of your life, the Bible says that he prayed for you, that he has prayed for all who would believe in the prayer that he prayed for us, he says in verse 21, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us. And there's something beautiful that takes place when we experience unity on mission for the glory of God. He said that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. And it's in our unity, not our uniformity. Uh, it is in our unity where the, the display of the reality of the incarnation of Jesus God's plan to reach the world is through the unity of the body of Christ. And as we, listen, we live in a world who is divided about everything. We live in a world uh, that is divided uh, over all kinds of things. But we, as followers of Jesus Christ, are united and under one thing, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are not simply sanctified from some things so that, we would, so that we would no longer do this or we would no longer do that, but we are sanctified for something. We are set apart for a purpose, to be on mission. And the mission that we see is to be a people who would be disciples, who would make disciples, that would then go and make Disciples. We would be people who would equip others to, to reach neighbors and nations for the glory of God. And he is praying for our unity. And it, listen, we can't manufacture unity. We can't do those kind of things. But when a people, and, and here's the thing, when we gather as the church, when God's people, when they give themselves, all of us, to the mission of God, and we say, you know what, I, I'm surrendering my life. I live for the glory of his name. And I recognize that my purpose, is not simply to find the pleasures of this world, but that my purpose is to fulfill God's purpose in my life. And as I fulfill God's purpose in my life, I'm going to experience joy, not the world's joy that just lasts for a minute and then makes me feel guilty the next day. I'm not going to feel those. That's not the joy that I'm going to experience. I'm going to experience joy that comes from Jesus, joy from heaven. I'm going to experience those things and out of an overflow. Listen, we've got a common enemy in the midst of this world. The enemy 
is out to steal, kill, and to destroy. And God has united his church around a common mission to go into all the world and to make his name great, to pour out our lives for the sharing of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he said, listen, you're going to be empowered when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He said, you're going to be my witnesses. Jesus had promised. He said, it's better that I go away because if I go away, I'm going to send a comforter. And then in Acts 1.8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. That's what we're to be to this world, right in the midst of this world. But we are witnesses to this world of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of his saving grace. And as we abide in Christ, as we live in fellowship with him, as we abide in Christ and daily we lean into his word and we allow the word of God to transform us. There's something beautiful that happens as we live in the midst of this world and our lives overflow into the midst of the brokenness that's all around us. There are pockets of the kingdom of God that we see places in our home where God takes a dad who sits down with his kids or a mom who sits down with their kids and they day by day just open the word of God and the word of God does the work of God through the power of the spirit of God and they begin to look more like Jesus. They begin to look more like him and we are transformed from glory into glory. We are looking like him. We are sent in to the word of God, to the world with the word of God, empowered by the spirit of God and Jesus. He prayed for us. He prayed for us then. And he's praying for us now. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 7, verse 25, the scripture would say he is able to save forever. Those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. To know that this task to go into all the world and to even, honestly, sometimes just to think about the task that we have to train up a generation of of young people that God's entrusted to us and our families, those of you that are our parents and mentors and small group leaders, this, this reality that God has entrusted to us a generation and, and the task can feel overwhelming that we are uh, to, to make disciples and we feel like, listen, we could never do any of this in our own strength, but we don't have to. Jesus said, when you are on mission in that way, he said, lo, I will be with you. Uh, always, even until the end of the age. We are not on our own. We are empowered by the Spirit of God. We simply follow His Word and we open His Word and we allow His Word to do the work and God does amazing things in our life and we can be confident because we know He is with us. This is His prayer for us. Robert Murray McShane said, if I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. He goes on to say, distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. I want to encourage you. He will equip those that he calls. And what he asks from us is a step of obedience. That's what I want to ask from, from myself, from all of us. What is that next step that God is calling us to in, in following him? It may be that we need to seek out a mentor, that we need to seek out uh, someone to pour into us. Maybe that your next step of obedience is baptism. Maybe you've, uh, you've surrendered your life to Christ, you've repented of your sin and placed your faith in Christ and you've never uh, been baptized as a believer. You know, in just a couple of weeks, the week after Easter, uh, on the 16th of April, we're going to gather and we're going to baptize that day. And there's this, this beautiful declaration, right, that we make. And we, we declare to the world that we are his. And if you've trusted Jesus for salvation, 
and you've never been uh, baptized as a believer since that point, then I want to encourage you to take that next step. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ. You know that uh, if you were to die today that, that you would experience life forever, but it would be forever separated from God. Jesus comes offering eternal life for all those who would believe and trust in him. Maybe this morning God is speaking to you and you, you need to be saved. You need to surrender your life to him and be born again into the family of God. However God speaks to you, I want you to be obedient this morning. Just take that step. Maybe that we can pray for you. However God speaks, just be obedient. I want to pray for us and then we're going to worship together. Father, we, Lord, we come recognizing that we live in the midst of a broken world, a world that has been marred by sin and that how the enemy is doing all that he can to steal and to kill and to destroy. Lord, I'm reminded that you sent Jesus so that we might have life. God, I pray, Lord, you would help us to experience life in your will. God, life in your plan. Lord, life, God, where we've, God, surrendered all, where we've been set apart for service for you. And God, I pray that every person in this room, God, every believer, God, that that they would give themselves to the mission of making disciples who would make disciples so that the glory of God might be known among all the nations, Lord, so that your grace and your goodness might be proclaimed throughout the earth. And God, we long and look for that one day where we'll gather around the very throne room of heaven with every nation and with every tribe and with every tongue, Lord, and we'll praise and worship you forever. And until that day, God, help us to give ourselves to the mission. And God, help us to do it with confidence because we know that you are with us. Lord, we love you. We pray, God, that you would work in our hearts, God, that you would have your will and way in every life. And God, that you might be glorified in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.